0: live from WebTech 2021 in Chicago. I'm Amanda Holloway, host of Solving Water Asylum podcast. And whether you're a longtime listener or new to the podcast, I'd like to welcome you to this special series about wastewater technology, management and infrastructure. I'm excited to be back here, and I've got a great roster of guests lined up for you, covering topics ranging from advancements in treatment technology to how the industry is adjusting to the new norm of ongoing natural disasters and weather events. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm here at WefTech 2021 in Chicago, and I'm very excited for this conversation. I have my boss here, Brian Geegan. He's the Director of Marketing for Rental and Services at Xylem, and I'm also joined by Kristen King. She is the Director of Marketing for uh, Water Utilities with Xylem. So, welcome. Glad to have you you both. Thank you. So, WefTech, how's the show been going for you guys so far? it's been a good show so far i mean the attendance is light
1: compared to years past but i feel like the people here are here with a purpose and we've had seen a lot of people at the booth and some good energy it's been a good show and it's also particularly nice i'm pretty new to the company Um, so the chance to actually see people and meet people in person has has been an extra benefit too
2: no i would definitely echo that i think the quality of the attendance is more important than the quantity so definitely focusing on that um, but it's certainly echoing what Kristen said. You know, it's such a pleasure to just meet in person people that you've only interacted with online for almost 18 months now. And so, you know, either shaking hands or bumping elbows or just waving, depending on personal preference. Uh, now you get to you get to actually see them face to face. You know, a lot of people are taller than I expected them to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely glad to be here. So, um, doing the same thing, just interacting with people face to face. Is amazing and it's really helpful when you're podcasting. Also, <laughs> um, so forgive me, but I miss my, my usual opening is to ask you guys to talk about what you do for Xylem. So I'll um, start with you, Kristen, and so give us a day in the life of what you do.
1: Ooh, a day in the life. So. And the team that I work with, we work with water utilities in North America, and our responsibility is to really understand kind of the dynamics of what's happening in the market, what's happening with with our customers, with utilities, operators, what they care about, what their challenges are, and then help marry that up to our solutions and work to solve problems for them. So it's a lot of uh, strategy and understanding where to go, what to do next and working a lot with our product teams and our sales teams to really help them understand um, where to go to to help support customers and find new business. Cool.
2: Obviously very similar as as we're both in the vertical marketing, Uh, but rental and services is a little bit interesting because we're actually more of a horizontal than a vertical. So what we end up doing is, you know, working a little bit in the background, uh, supporting Kristen as well as our industrial commercial buildings and even our res divisions on you know how how that fits into their strategy. A lot of VOC, a lot of market analysis, you know, trying to take their requirements and build it in and fold it in. So ultimately we, we create a seamless story. Right? We shouldn't be looking at individual brands or you know, applications, we're looking at how the Xylem story fits together and I think that's the best, you know, part of the reason Chris and I are here together right now is because of that partnership, Mm -hmm. you know, because we work together just so frequently on those opportunities.
1: That's awesome. I think so many people think of marketing as, you know, the communications part of marketing and the advertising and branding and in our roles. It's really about helping the company make decisions on where we go next and what we need to do to really support our customers, not just the communications piece.
0: That's that's really interesting take on that. I think helpful for people to understand what we do in marketing. Um, So you mentioned, Brian, you mentioned voice of customer, VOC, as we love to call it. And I was wondering for our listeners if you could talk a little bit about what does voice of customer actually mean? Like, what does that look like? And then how do we take those those findings from those interviews, those interactions, and implement that into our strategy? Sure.
2: Um, Well, I'll do a a short plug real quick. So for those that haven't been able to participate or listen in, uh, we have a, a company, Applied Marketing Sciences, that we work with that really has streamlined our VOC process. And so I would encourage anyone listening to go kind of research a little more about that and maybe get involved in some of those projects but really what we want is we want to be able to hear directly from the user of our equipment what their pain points are and then taking those those pain points and ultimately turning it into a solution that's a very easy statement that's a six to 12 month process so I'm not making little of it but you know for the points of this podcast that's that's really what we're looking at is you know pain points from the customer solutions that Xylem can offer. You know the last thing we want to do is you know bring a product or a service to the market that we think is real cool that ends up not selling because it doesn't meet any customer needs. I mean that would that's just not what we want to do. So you start with the customer and, and move on from there.
1: I would add to that, too, and say the one thing that um, with the voice of customer research that we're not just going out there trying to find a specification, you know, build something that does exactly this or make something that works like competitor B. Um, It's really getting to the root of what's the problem, what situation is being used here and watching people use and interact our solutions and seeing... where the opportunity is to streamline that and make the experience better, so it's not just a specification, but really really trying to understand the root of the problems, and that's where we get the real creativity and the innovation, Um, because it might not just be a specification, it could be a completely different solution once we really get in and and understand what a day in a life really looks like.
0: Sure, tell me more about the, the process, because we're saying that getting to the root of their pain point, right? Because if you ask a customer one question about what keeps you up at night, you have to ask them that five more times, right? Before you actually get the real answer from them. So talk to me about the process of VOCA. I mean, do you, how do you guys approach it individually? Or? Well, I mean,
1: one thing is just entering it really open-ended and ready to listen, like genuinely listen and not come with the listening for what you want to hear. Um, and like you said, you know, continue to dig deeper into the whys and so you know just leaving that open end, and where your challenges and often you know it's like the what keeps you up at night could be something that you don't expect you know like my biggest issue is is finding qualified people you know and then you follow that through to you know what kind of problem you and then ultimately you get to you know for us a need that needs to be solved is something that anybody off of the street could use and operate it can't be complicated because they're having trouble finding people or maybe even finding a way to automate something so that you're actually removing that problem altogether. But it is it's going in like really open minded and not trying to solve and not trying to sell what you already have and just really digging into to understand why what they're saying matters to them.
2: Yeah, no, I think Kristen said it perfectly. It's it's that removing bias from the opportunity you know we all we all go in with a looking for validation to something we already think is the answer and you know extracting that out and just being a good listener is really the step but i will also add that you know you used a word earlier process for voc and it is critical to follow the voc process everything from you know developing the questionnaire and the interview guide through a sampling plan, you know the job titles you want to talk to, how many of them, what regions they are, following it through with, with quantitative and qualitative surveys. Right, it, This is not as simple as going to someone, asking them five questions, and thinking you're complete. It's It truly does follow a process, which is important.
1: Mm-hmm. Capturing the notes verbatim, repeating back, this is what I heard you say, and verifying so that they have the chance to really correct, yeah. which helps kind of keep us falling into the trap of kind of validating what we went in thinking. But I think that's an important part of the process. Like you said, Brian, it's important, just here's what I heard you say, is that right? It's
0: because it's human nature to just infer Right? So they're saying, I'm having trouble finding qualified people. I mean, so then your, your inference is the economy's struggling right now. Everybody's struggling to find qualified people. Well, but there's maybe more specifics there. And so you, instead of just taking that as it is, you know, to really challenge yourself to be able to dig in is, is interesting.
2: Yeah, we, we actually ran an exercise where we, we did a VOC interview. And we had the interviewer take notes during the interview process and, and kind of capture what they thought was important. Uh, on the side, we also had it transcribed. So verbatim transcription. And we gave it to a, a third party, like an unknown, you know, not part of the, the situation. And they went through and highlighted keywords and identified need statements and pain points and the difference between those two documents was mind blowing. Because wow. the interviewer took notes on what he thought or they or she thought what was important. But when you go back to the transcript and you read the actual words, that that idea of paraphrasing, it, it didn't actually capture what was going on. And the interviewer actually ended up missing the next sentence or you know the next key critical part because they were so concentrated on, you know writing down their notes that they missed, you know, something that was very relevant. So that idea of, of asking back the question to mm-hmm. them, did I hear you correctly? Reading through the transcripts really makes a big difference.
0: That's awesome. So then the next step, right? So you, you follow the process for VOC um, and you get some great data. And, and so then what is the next step? So how many VOCs do you need to do in order to get somewhere? And then what do you do with that data? Like what? how do you implement that into the real world?
2: So statistics is a powerful thing. Um, so about 25 to 30 interviews will yield you about 90% of customer needs, which sounds incredible in today's population and in today's society that you only need to do 30 interviews. But when you when you go through the statistics, I mean, it, it really bears out. So anything over that is, is really just overkill. Um, but so, you know, 30 pieces of VOC, which can be a lot harder than it sounds. Um, so number wise, it's it's that, you know, but what you can then take that to is take that to developing a strategy and a plan and a roadmap. Um, I think Kristen's going through that right now. We're working on developing a water utilities roadmap um, for the future, so I I would say, you know, that's kind of what happens after that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's making sure you get um, enough of all of the, you know, customers, non-customers, all of the people who influence throughout the decision process. Mm -hmm. And I've also heard too, you know, that you keep going until you are no longer hearing new information. Um, and so it isn't necessarily a specific number, but, but it is usually ends up to be about that number as long as you've got the right mix across all of the right players within the value chain. Um, and then, yeah, just capturing those needs, trying to force rank some of those needs. So when it comes down to making trade off decisions in like the new product development process, for example, that you have a way to kind of make those hard decisions, make those trade-off decisions, but it's communicating that back. You know, here's the needs, here's the challenges, and giving that to the product team instead of the specifications.
0: What do you primarily use VOC for? From where I sit, I would think often product development, it would be a key component to that, but outside of that, what what else would you, you know, how do you know that, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go and do some VOC, like what is the thing that like drives you to do that?
2: For, I mean, I think the big thing there is when you are looking at either product or service enhancements or entering new markets. So, if you, you know, we feel that we know the water utility market pretty well. Xylem is very strong on that side. But say on the industrial side, we want to go look at maybe some food and beverage opportunities, or we want to look at general manufacturing. You know, maybe it's something in the water utility cycle that we're not as strong at today going out and getting that VOC is the foundation for how you're going to look at that going forward. And and that's really kind of the stake you put in the ground to say, you know, we're here and we understand. You.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think that, you know, less formally, you know, getting, you know, another way to use it is probably more feedback. But, you know, when we work in collaboration with the sales team, and you know, really getting Their input because they're in front of customers all day, every day, and you know what can we do as as a customer of the marketing team? What do they need um, for us to help support them in what they're trying to do? As they're out there in the field, um, trying to have conversations every day, and so I think that there's um, another opportunity, you know, to get feedback and collaborate with the sales team to make sure that they have the tools that they need as an internal customer.
0: Absolutely. And that's an awesome segue into my next question, which is about supporting sales, right? So marketing, like you said, the sales team are our customers internally. And so what are the the kinds of things that you guys are doing now to support sales and and, and help enable that aside from the standard brochures and, you know, uh, things that... Like the actual collateral, again, like we were saying earlier, we think about marketing as the brochure, the advertisement, but what are what are some of the things that you guys are doing right now to support our sales teams?
2: Yeah, I mean, I know for our department, you know, one of the things that we really try and do is make it easy when that salesman is trying to start their day. Where should they go hunting? Why should they go hunting there? Who are the key contacts? You know, what's the application? What's the opportunity? So... You know, when we look at certain industries, there could be a thousand phone calls they need to make that day. What are the top three? How do we help them identify who those top three customers are and, and pre-vet them, right? So when they do call them, it's a successful phone call and and making sure that they've got the right information, the right needs, the right opportunities. It's, it's pre-funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not even stuff they're thinking about. It's, you know, we're delivering them stuff that has the opportunity to make an impact that they didn't even know was there.
0: So, give me an example of what that looks like. Like, how do how do we distill the three names? Like, how do we get after that?
2: Sure. Um, I, I, you know, a recent example. You know, we ran a mining campaign um, in conjunction with the industrial teams so of Sarah Smith and as well as Amanda here um, staring at me. Um, you know, both had a hand in that. You know, what we looked at was you know in the state of Texas there was thousands and thousands of of mines, mostly aggregate mines, that, you know, the salesman didn't have contacts in or they didn't even know existed. So we went out and ran an email and outbound phone campaign to identify who the key contacts were and, and who was ready to buy. So by delivering that to the sales team, instead of them making 50 phone calls on a cold scale, you know, they got three or four really warm leads for people who were interested in buying today. So it just makes their life a little bit easier.
1: Pointing them in a the direction that gives them the highest probability for success and arming them with here's the type of person to talk to, here's the key questions and challenges they have, and, and here's some of the obstacles, you know, or objections you might have to overcome and, and some tools to help with that. I think you know some examples, you know, I've been working with a team on recently, like Mir Khan's team in the central region. Um, working with him to identify a list of utilities to target and, you know, really trying to capture information in a database about, you know, which are most likely to buy our products, who already does have products installed that we might be able to service, narrowing in where we have the biggest market opportunity. You know, there's a lot of a lot of places where our solutions could be applied, but, you know, which ones have the highest probability of success or the biggest markets. And so, you know, kind of really helping to to narrow in and focus their efforts because there's there's plenty of opportunity out there, but pointing them in the right direction and giving them the right tools, the right lists and lead generation campaigns and working to nurture those leads so that by the time they're in front of them, that customer is, is really ready to ask their final questions and buy.
0: I'm just gonna have to have you come on every single podcast, Kristen, because you are like the perfect tee-up every time for my <laughs> next question. And my next question is about campaigns and I think it's a very valuable one for our people to understand because I don't think there's a a universal definition of campaign right so you might think of a campaign as one thing and you might think of it as something else but I think in your roles as marketing directors you actually know what a campaign is so for our audience can you explain what means campaign?
1: Well, I can. I'll jump in with an example. Um, there's one that we worked on with our distributor marketing council, our flight council, and we were working with them to identify where do we have the best opportunity to fill the, you know, to meet the the challenges that our customers are facing. And one thing that they identified was our pumps are clock free, and how important that is because that's just such a daily challenge that people face, and um, it's so important to keep it front and center and to really promote that they're clog free and you know so that the operators really understand how we save them a lot of hassle and time and trouble and so the campaign working with our distributors we developed an entire calendar of things to target utilities that had you know everything from emails to advertising. We also created a calculator tool that helps a utility calculate the cost when a pump clogs. And so what that true cost is for them, and they can plug it in the sales team and the distributors have all used that to really help utilities understand that cost of a clog. Um, So it's a variety of things that all come together, you know, over the course of time to help bring awareness to the utilities and to help them understand that there are solutions to their challenges and who to call when they have those challenges.
0: I mean, I know we're all like pandemic fatigue, right? But I think we're talking about things like voice of customer and we're here sitting across from each other for the first time in 18 months, two years. I mean, I think I've met you in person less than five times. So, I mean, I am curious about the impact that COVID had on your ability to do your jobs, like that voice of customer and then executing on that is gotta be very difficult and challenging in this type of market. It
2: it is. But I think we actually also learned some new muscles within the organization. Uh, We had a tendency, even when it was free range travel all over the place, we went and talked to the same seven people every time because it was easy. It was convenient. They gave us the answers we liked to hear. And now all of a sudden the pandemic happened and, and you couldn't always just go reach out to them. You had to find, you know, new people to talk to people that may not have opened the door to you before. But now they answered the phone, or they accepted the Zoom invite. Um, we also, you know, established some really great relationships with, you know, some third-party um, organizations that go out and help you know find interviews and and create demand for you, which I think is great. So ultimately, it, it really opened the door to us to a lot of people that we weren't previously connected to because these people were now also at home. They weren't. You know rush 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 at an office you know always too busy you know we now had a time to connect with them so from a voc standpoint i actually think it it helped us learn how to do better voc because we didn't just go knock on the same seven people's door
1: and i think the quality you know that we the opportunities that we do have to get together now um the quality is is vastly improved i think we, you know we had a distributor council meeting It was the first one and in a long time and it was just the the candor and the ability to just come together and work together was really interesting i also think you know from my perspective too is you just to really remember to always you know work towards building that trust and relationship with the sales team um, because we can't be everywhere. We can't be in front of people. And so, but we are you know, a big, strong organization and there are a lot of people talking to customers every day and to make sure we keep even our internal channels open and that we're actually listening and hearing and supporting the sales team when they're hearing things too because they're an important part of of that VOC process as well. So by the time we hear something from a salesperson, they've probably told it to five people and they've heard it from someone who was screaming on the other end of their phone. so making sure we help carry that message as well.
0: So just a couple more questions for you guys, um, and then I'll let you get back to your Tech duties. Um, But if there was one thing you could tell our listeners about marketing so that they could understand and take take away from this conversation, what would that be? And I'm sure it'll be different for, for each of you. So Brian, why don't you lead us well, off
2: yeah no I for me it's the don't be afraid to pick up and call I mean we are essentially a support service for you know both product management as well as sales e- even operations uh, you know we're working with Enzo Violi's group right now on identifying a post service survey so they can understand did they provide it well are there things that they need to improve you know where was it done how was it done and and it came with just a conversation so it's it's as much as we're in in the front of the organization and we're helping drive strategy you know there are so many things that we can do to help on the field level don't be afraid to just pick up and, and call your business development manager um you know one of the demand gen managers even the directors like we're here to help i mean that's what we love to do that's why we that's why we're in a support role so just lob it on over to us and, and we'll see what we can do
1: I'd say the most important characteristic is to to stay intellectually curious. So to really dig in and understand the products, understand the applications, really meet and understand customers, understand the data, you know, and as Brian was saying, dig two or three layers deeper and don't assume that this statistic kind of proves an answer. Um, but it's it's a big, broad role. There's always something to learn. There's new, I mean, digital marketing is changing every day. Um, So if you don't like to learn and study, um, I mean, you just have to stay intellectually curious and continue reading about the markets, the products, as Brian says, ask the questions. um, And that's how you continue to get better and provide better solutions.
2: Kristen's answer was a lot better than mine, by the
0: way. <laughs> I tend to think about it. I love, it. I, I love the difference. That's great because this is how my next question is going to go. Because again, Kristen's really great at teeing up. Um, but I, I finish every podcast with the same question for our guests. So I'll ask you first, Kristen, and then you can answer next, Brian. Um, what's the most important thing you've learned in the water business so far? What's interesting is in my head, I can hear some people barking in my ears about what's most
1: important. But I think it is ultimately um, what I've learned about the water industries. It's really important to respond when a customer has challenges. Um, because that impression, because things do happen. It's all about how we respond. And if you're there and support them, regardless of what happens, that makes an impression. And if we're not there it also makes an impression Um, and these are decisions that can last decades and can either keep you in or out for decades. The water business has a long memory and so you know to always just be there and a pair of ready hands to help support customer challenges is what's gonna help Xylem win in the long run so that they know that no matter what happens they can trust that we've got their back.
2: I think the biggest thing that I learned was just how precious of a resource water really is. You know, we do take it for granted. I can turn my tap on and I get hot or cold water on demand that is drinkable, by the way, not just flowing water, but it's also drinkable. Xylem in particular and, you know, through some of what we do as an organization really brings light to just how important it is, but also the things that you can do on a daily basis. To help it, so when you start to understand how you can have an impact on it, it just makes it that much easier. It's not something that's just out in the middle of nowhere with, you know, oh, I can't affect it, so why should I care about it? Like, there are things we can do every day, and the dedication that Xylem puts to it and encourages us to do it, I, I think, just makes it that that much more important um, because it truly is. It's it's a resource that it's it's non renewable. Like. You don't just make new water like what we have right now is what we have. And if we can't figure out how to treat it well, we're 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 going to run out at some point. So I think that that to me is really what Xylem has taught me so far.
0: Well, I mean, what a wonderful conversation. I hope it wasn't too painful and you'll come back (laughs) uh, and and join me again for another episode. But um, Kristen, Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thank Thank you, you. Many thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. I hope you'll come back and join us for the next episode in the 2021 wefttech series. More information can be found at the link in today's show notes, and please contact me at amanda.holloway at xylem.com or via LinkedIn with questions, feedback, or to be a guest on Solving Water.